to me, what was most important were my clients. These people needed to get the best information, the most honest evaluation of what absolutely was essential for them to be able to put their lives on track. And so I started the company. We helped a lot of people where we could. We worked with so many people that were having difficulties. And it gave me a lot of satisfaction to be able to know that people that I hired shared my values and that what we were doing was the best thing we could do for our clients. And over a period of time, you know, we've grown and we've done lots of things since then. But that was really the beginning of everything. And I wanted to get up every day and go to work. And I I still do with people who share my values, meaning they are honest, they are professional, they get back to people, they respond, they do the right thing for our clients. And they are also very collaborative together as colleagues within the company. So we don't have that kind of company where people are afraid to share. We share, we collaborate, we enjoy helping each other grow our businesses. So that's really who we are, I guess. Welcome. You are listening to the Hero of the Hour podcast, the show dedicated to empowering you to take financial freedom into your own hands. Through expert interviews with decades of experience, this show will give you not only the tactical strategies of what's working in business, but the appropriate mindsets to master your financial future and build generational wealth. Heroes and entrepreneurs operate with a similar anything is possible mentality. And that is exactly what our show is about. Your host is none other than Mark B. Murphy, CEO of Northeast Private Client Group and best-selling author of three books, all dedicated to helping others plan for generational wealth. He and his team are on a mission to share their knowledge and techniques so that others can enjoy a life of financial security and freedom. Get ready to be inspired to create the life of your dreams. Let's go. On today's episode of the Here of the Hour podcast, Mark chats with Terry O'Connor, owner of Terry O'Connor Realtors. Terry is licensed in New Jersey and New York, where she's helped hundreds and thousands of businesses and families make their real estate dreams come true. During this episode, they discuss the path Terry took to becoming her own boss and starting her own business in 1991. Something that really stuck with me that Terry said is that family is more important than money. Get ready for a fascinating episode. Well, I'm Mark Murphy. I'm founder and CEO of Northeast Private Client Group and the author of my third book, The Ultimate Investment. But I'm happy today to have a very good friend of mine, somebody who is a household name in real estate. She, she's a resident of Saddle River, New Jersey. She started as a licensed real estate agent in 1981 and uh, founded Terry O'Connor Realty, which is one of the most prolific independently held real estate firms in the country, much less in New Jersey. And I just, Terry, I want to welcome you to uh, our podcast. Thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here with you. I was called this a podcast, the hero of the hour, because I like to have people on there that are personal heroes to me and people that are heroes to other people. I was starting the question I was asked is, you know, how do you define a hero and, and, and who are some of your heroes? That's a good question because I probably have lots of people throughout my life that I felt at different times were heroes. I'd have to go back and probably do what most people say. My dad was an extraordinary hero to me. He was such a professional and ethical naval officer and gentleman and always someone you could go to. So I think a lot of the values and uh, things that I learned, I learned from my parents and particularly my dad, who was up here with me for a number of years after my mother passed away. 
So to me, he's great. But of course, I've met some really amazing people along the way. And, um, you know, I'd have to say Jim Napolitano was a great mentor and hero to me. I had started my business in 1991, and Jim was my first landlord. He was a banker, and he also brought his real estate license, which he held to my company. And he allowed me, when I was a brand new little fledgling company, to join him on um, meetings that the bank had with clients, talking about the real estate aspect of what's going on in the market and all. And the bank also uh, allowed me to do some of their business when they took back a house or that was a foreclosure or they needed some help with something. So I have to give him a lot of credit. And I enjoyed him for, you know, 30 plus years of uh, having him be part of my kind of conversation every time I did something interesting. There are other people along the way as well, but he's one of the key people. You get a license in 81. It's now 10 years you're an agent. You've got four little kids. How do you decide to go? I don't want a seat at the table. I want to have my own blanking table. I want I'm, I'm my own darn table. How did you, how did you get, how did you do that? How did, how did that come about? Well, I think I always wanted to be my own boss. I don't know if I realized it in the sense of formally early on, but I was always looking for a way to sort of be the person to make the decisions and the plans. So before I opened my company in 1991, I got very involved in with builders and developers as I was an agent and began to see how they built their businesses I actually got involved in doing some developments and some work in that area. But what I learned was I really was successful, most successful in marketing real estate and had done very well. And perhaps that was what allowed me to get involved in some of the other areas that I got you know, involved in as far as investments and, and projects. And uh, so in 1991, I decided I would open my own company. My husband was not happy. He was discouraging <laughs> me. And even my wonderful hero, my dad, said, why are you doing this? You don't need to do this. But in spite of the fact that I didn't get any support, and I mean none, I was discouraged, I said, I have to do this. It's just something I had to do. So I don't know if all entrepreneurs feel like that. But what was so important to me was this was something, it was a driving force. I lay in bed at night thinking, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I know they don't want me to do it, but I've got to do it. And one day, I just did it. And I didn't know if I'd have anybody come work for me. I remember my name passing across the New Jersey MLS uh, ticker or whatever you want to call it, saying the new company, Terry O'Connor Realtors. And I was the only realtor in the company. <laughs> I thought, oh, my God, what's going to happen now? But then I had a friend call who I was with Weikert, another company, and I interviewed her and she joined me. And slowly, you know, slowly we began to build a company, one foot in front of the other, trying, I think, most importantly to do what was right for the clients. And if you remember 1991, those of you who are, who are in business at that time, uh, we were just coming out of the 87 recession. And there were a lot of people who had held on to their homes, as held on to their jobs, but didn't make it all the way through the, the recession. And so by the time 1990 came in 91, there were developers who were failing, who thought they could make it through. Banks stopped lending at that point in time. We had the Resolution Trust Organization um, Corporation holding funds back from developers. We had um, lots of homeowners who were really in trouble because they were vice president of this, you know, Fortune 500 company or another. And uh, suddenly they were laid off because we were sort of middle tier of, of executives. And they were, you know, with two kids in college or three kids in college or heading to college. And they suddenly are out of work and can't find a job and can't pay their mortgage. I mean, it was an amazing period of time. And that's when I started the business. And to me, what was most important 
were my clients. These people needed to get the best information, the most honest evaluation of what absolutely was essential for them to be able to put their lives on track. And so I started the company. We helped a lot of people where we could. We worked with so many people that were having difficulties. And it gave me a lot of satisfaction to be able to know that people that I hired shared my values and that what we were doing was the best thing we could do for our clients. And over a period of time, you know, we've grown and we've done lots of things since then. But that was really the beginning of everything. And I wanted to get up every day and go to work. And I, I still do with people who share my values, meaning they are honest, they are professional, they get back to people, they respond, they do the right thing for our clients, and they are also very collaborative together as colleagues within the company. So we don't have that kind of company where people are afraid to share. We share, we collaborate, we enjoy helping each other grow our businesses. So that's really who we are, I guess. You know, the the one thing, I got, knowing each other as well as we have for a long time, I always wonder, are you a real estate company or are you a people company? Because you have uh-huh. more people skills in your in your pinky than most people have in their whole body. I would have to say that the product is real estate, of course, every kind you can imagine from property management, and land and residential and condos, you know, all that stuff. We'll, we'll handle any of it for our clients. But most importantly, it's handling the personalities and the people that we deal with and One, being able to let them know that we really are trusted advisors and we would be the best agent they could hire. Two, following through and doing that job as well as we possibly can and bringing a successful solution to whatever problems or issues or desires that they had as far as real estate went. And that's really who we are and what we do. And, you know, so I guess we're a people business and the product is real estate. That's That's how I would describe it. Well, of course, so in 1991, Terry O'Connor Realty had one agent and now right. has over 500 agents and growing and growing. Yes. You're, and that's our plan to grow. Yes. We are going to continue to grow. But you've got like, you've got those, those category killers. Like there's not too many local hardware stores. If, if a home Depot opens in the neighborhood, there's right. all these national and international real estate companies that have come into the marketplace over the last decade or two. How do you stay successful and keep growing? Thanks. <laughs> How do you beat them at their own game? I, I mean, I know they're worthy competitors, but it hasn't it hasn't stopped your growth. Well, you know, I think for a long time we grew very organically, uh, just by people wanting to join us and uh, inviting the right people to join us, and and that worked very successfully. Um, in the last few years, uh, we've done a couple of acquisitions. The most recent one, a, a, a company down in Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey, and we've added them to our roster of successful agents and offices. You know, the the whole growth thing is, so I think, I don't know if we're all under a myth or if it's absolutely the truth. I think you have two choices. You are either very tiny, like a little boutique, maybe a half a dozen people with a superstar, or you're a company that's going to compete in the marketplace with all these new business models that keep coming in year after year after year with different propositions for agents and consumer and so forth, and marketing dollars that are incredible to be able to you know advertise on tv and everything so our competition has been fierce i used to believe that the competition were the large franchises the caldwell bankers the weikerts the better homes and gardens and so forth who came into our market area and we just had to compete with them well honestly we always competed very well we'd ride right along with them it's kind of like burger king and mcdonald's if mcdonald's opened up burger king opened up i felt like if caldwell banker was in the neighborhood terry o'connor could go in the neighborhood there was plenty of business for us and we did that I think as time has gone on and there's been more institutional money, 
that has come into the marketplace, you know, venture capital, um, all sorts of things, people going public. There's a lot of money to do marketing and to go in and grab a piece of our industry, a piece of our business and sell it back to us. And that's the I think that's the harder group of of competitors that we compete with because they have an insurmountable amount of money, whether it's like Compass coming from SoftBank and some of those circumstances or just other companies raising money and coming in with a business model to buy homes and flip them that we would have essentially marketed for them. So between the iBuyers, um, the 100% companies. So I've kind of reached a point where I am never going to say, ah, I've got it. I understand because tomorrow there'll be a different business model that even I hadn't thought of. Um, I, I think I told you I read a great book um, called Winning the Right Game, and it's written by a professor up at um, Dartmouth, or actually at TUC, which is the business school for your MBA at, at Dartmouth. And it was very interesting. A lot of us are still in business. We're doing very well. We have a lot of competition, but people are constantly nip, nipping away at our bottom lines, trying to take that bit of business they can call for themselves and sell back to us. To me, that's the biggest challenge in staying staying vital. We've been able to do that. Um, we're constantly looking at how we continue to do it. And of course, one of the areas that you asked about growth, I think tying it back, growth is an essential thing to be able to feed what we're doing now with some of our ancillary businesses that we've added to you know, be more profitable. You know, one of the things I've always admired about the O'Connor family is I work with a lot of family businesses, you know, and there's a, there's a lot of them that really don't like each other very much. <laughs> there's a lot of them that have transfixed the business that that is front and center ahead of the family. So they're more business partners than family members. And one of the things that I admire about the best families like yours is you've been very successful. I know three of the four kids. Who I, all, I know all four kids. Three of them work in the business. One does not. And it seems like you like each other almost all the time. And the family almost always supersedes the business, which is hard to do. How have you been able to, what advice would you give to people that are either in a family business or people that are considering bringing their kids or grandkids or whoever into their businesses. I mean, that, that is a, that's a tough thing to pull off. I'll tell you. Well, I'm not sure I ever thought my children would come into the business. I, I really wasn't planning on it. I started this business without really uh, any idea how it would scale. I wasn't looking to be big. Um, we grew and suddenly I had this bigger company and about 20 years ago, my son, Matt, who had his own little consulting business and had worked in New Orleans for a software company developing different businesses, software needs, uh, came to me and he and I, he joined us. Uh, I've been using him as a helper all along for my tech stuff. And finally, it was like, Mom, I've been waiting for you to make me an offer. Previously, my daughter, Kate, and my son, Joe, had their real estate licenses and were acting as salespeople within the company. There was kind of a natural evolution. Kate was a teacher for 10 years. I didn't know she, and she had a real estate license, but that was not her main focus. And when she uh, eventually um, stopped teaching after 10 years and became a full-time real estate agent and one of our top agents in the company and a hugely important resource for the leadership of the company. I mean, she has wonderful ideas. She sees things very clearly. So although she's not running an office or doing anything like that, she oversees all the real estate licensing school business. And she participates in all of our meetings. Joe, who is our company photographer since he's, oh gosh, maybe 25 years now and does very well and has created a little empire for himself buying houses. I think he owns seven or eight individual single family homes that are rented right now. Um, you know, they're all very real estate focused. 
but together we just get along. To me, they're more important than, you know, the money. They are part of my company and I listen to what they have to say. I still have the, I guess, final decision on certain things and most things because I'm still the sole proprietor. But at this point, that's probably going to change as they become owners of the company. But I have no doubt that they uh, will work well together um, in the future. I hope to be here a long time with them doing that. Uh, we just have a very fortunate family. We love each other. We also understand each other. We're not all the same. We're not perfect. And uh, some of us have strengths that the others don't have. And hopefully we don't ask you to do something you don't do well, that we ask you to do the things you do do well. And that's, I guess, how we've succeeded. My experience is that anybody that poses themselves, their families to be perfect are the most dysfunctional families. (laughs) I think by definition, every family is dysfunctional. There's just the degree of dysfunction that each family has. And I I put your your family at low dysfunction. But uh, yeah, we have our moments, but I think overall, I think the compelling uh, family love for one another and examples of their grandparents and parents have helped. And they're all good parents themselves. So, you know, family matters to them as a, priority. What if I was an aspiring real estate agent thinking about becoming a real realtor, why would I pick Terry O'Connor Realty as opposed to maybe some of the other uh, oper- you know other other firms that are out there? What what would be the unique uh, differentiator there? Well, I think I get asked that question a lot, Mark. Yeah. It's not something that I haven't heard of before because I interview a lot of people who are interested in getting their real estate license, some in the before they've even gotten a license, others thinking about getting a license, others already with a license with another company. And what I can say about our company is I have absolutely no doubt that we have the best training to get somebody up and running. You know, when you get your license, you're licensed to go out and do business, but you have no idea how to do it. In order to be a successful agent in today's world, you have to be competitive. You have to understand the market. You have to understand all the environmental issues that could impact uh, a transaction dramatically. You need to be able to understand how to build your business. I mean, there's a whole element today of, of not just having the company provide you with leads and you don't have to do anything else. That's the old days. They're long gone. You have to be a business developer and almost really, truly an entrepreneur yourself. So those agents coming to our company are given such terrific support from our corporate staff and their managers and so forth that between our training, between the many, many um, tools that we have that we teach them how to use, they can communicate because of all of our digital communication and so forth with so many people. Our social media is very strong for them. So I have no problem saying to anyone who might be interested in real estate, that most definitely we are different and I can differentiate the reasons why and um, the other thing we do is we provide most of these services at no cost to our agents. So you take someone who's trying to get started and doesn't have much income, and it might be a few months or more before they actually have a transaction, being able to get the best training and service and support and not have it you know, keep you from continuing in the real estate business because you have so many fees and so forth. So I think in the end, it's win-win for them. It's win-win for us. We're, and our culture, which I know a lot of people talk about, but it's truly culture of somewhat like a family. I think people tell me that all the time who work here. So I also get a lot of calls from attorneys and people like that who close with our agents and they'll make a specific point to call me and say, you know, working with your agents, it's the best. They all know what they're doing. They're professional. And that's kind of what differentiates us, I hope. 
I know that to be to be the fact. Have you noticed that life is getting more and more expensive? From grocery prices to real estate values, everywhere you turn, prices seem to be skyrocketing. Well, Mark has dedicated decades of his career and life to serving entrepreneurs and professionals to build real wealth, and in most cases, multi-generational wealth. The reality is, we all have to navigate turbulent times in this economy. But the difference will be for those that have a roadmap and a customized plan for building wealth. That's why, as a listener to this podcast, we are so excited to share with you first access to Mark's newest book, The Ultimate Investment, a roadmap to grow your business and build multi-generational wealth. When you access this book, you'll discover how to know when you're working a job instead of a business. That hard work isn't all about hours put in. This will make you more productive. Why you need to live with your back against a wall. How to surround yourself with the right people who support your vision. And so much more. Go to www.markbmurphy.com forward slash book to get access now. Once again, go to www.markbmurphy.com forward slash book. And now, back to the show. You mentioned getting license in 1981. And uh, oh, I am not old. That means that you're not old if I'm not old. Oh, I'm old. <laughs> uh, the idea is, is that I, I'm always curious is if we go back 43 years and then we go to the present, were there barriers for women back then? And were there opportunities for women that have changed over time that are different for your, for my daughters and your daughters and, and our grandchildren to be? Mm. Well, the most significant thing I encountered, well, two things that I encountered, I guess, actually, um, in real estate, it was it was female friendly. So if you went in as a salesperson, you know, that was not, uh, they weren't unreceptive. They were very excited about that. And a lot of people came in from, you know, having been teachers or kids grown second, second job, whatever. So that part wasn't quite so challenging. I think where I ran into some of the problems um, over the years was as I tried to grow the business and, and eventually when I went to open my own business, I know when I, had the, I think, privilege, actually, of being the first women woman um, president and chairman of the board of the uh, Northern New Jersey Builders Association. I mean, to me, that was so exciting. Here I am, the whole group are men. I mean, there was hardly a woman in the place. And, uh, you know, they put me on the ladder and, and had made me president. But it was a hysterical experience because, and I may have shared this with you before, so I had to be interviewed for the position. and. And I'd been on the ladder for a while, so they knew me. So when they interviewed me for the position of president, they wanted to know specifically what you asked me a few minutes ago. How did you do it with four children? I mean, if we make you the president, if we nominate you, are you going to be able to do the job? (laughs) And they said this, cook dinner for your husband and kids. I said, oh, my God, if they were any other organization, they would have had an HR lawsuit. But, of course, I knew them and loved them all. They were great guys. But the point is, I always seem to have a fan club of people to support me. You know, whether it was someone like Jim Napolitano or Jim Beatty or so many people, Alan Dalton, whom I worked for for 10 years at my first company, who was a marketing genius, and I still am friendly with him. He actually came down to Washington, D.C. this past fall from Boston to uh, give me an award at a dinner I was invited to. And I had no idea I was going to be that he came just for me. So, I mean, I've had a lot of good mentors. I know other women have had more kind of glass ceiling situations. Um, 
I don't think I really did have a lot of that because of the industry I'm in. But I will tell you, the owners and the managers and uh, senior leadership of most large real estate companies today, most of them are still men. Um, but we do see more women in the leadership area. And, uh, you know, for me, I think I've actually done fairly well in that area. Yeah, yeah, one, yeah. Question all men, one question all men ask me if I'm on an appointment with an agent or someone is like, oh, is your husband in the business? They all want to know if there's a man behind me. So <laughs> that doesn't go away. The, the, the only thing I stole reverse, uh, my rever reverse uh, gender was in probably 1985 when I was cold calling for clients. When I first started, and we didn't have any clients, we cold call. And there was a woman who was very successful who sat in the next office next to me. So I would call up somebody, a cold call, and I'd ask them if they wanted to meet. And of course, you know, very few people want to meet with a cold call person. Right. And, and what this woman next to me would say, she would say, don't you even want to see what I look like? <laughs> so when someone say, no, I don't want to meet with you, I, I would say to them, don't you even want to see what I look like? <laughs> what kind of response did you get? <laughs> it's, a, it's a different world, but I, I do. I will say one other thing. I, I know both of your daughters and I know both of your sons and you've turned out four great kids. Uh, but you know, I always, you know, now as a, as, as you know, I've, I have two sons and now I have a third son and now two daughters as with a blended family. And so now I'm for the first time looking at, at women, raising women. And um, I'm fascinated because you turned out two really strong entrepreneurial women. You know, I've, I've worked, I've worked a long time on turning out men because <laughs> we only had two, <laughs> two boys, but seeing the girls and turning out entrepreneurial women um, in this world, I, I give you a lot of credit. And I think that, uh, you know, uh, women are the future. And uh, it's, it's interesting. When I first started um, years ago working, um, even before I opened my own company, most of my women friends who were my contemporaries at the time, and mind you, I was 30-ish, 31 or two, I forget. They did not approve of my going back to work. It was very obvious that I was one of the odd women who went to work with four little children, one still in diapers. And there was a lot of disapproval. So in in talking about, you know, the glass ceiling and getting ahead and all that. Um, I didn't have the support of my female friends, so to speak. As time went on and more women went back into the workforce, um, that became less obvious uh, and more people, you know, were championed what other women were doing, including me. And one woman who was particularly nasty to me at one point, when she said, your children are neglected, you're working, that's not fair, came up to me years later and said, oh my gosh, I'm so I can't believe what happened. Your kids turned out okay and everything's good. And I'm sorry I ever said those things to you. And I said, well, isn't that great? So I guess we all are in a, in a form of evolution. My girls got to see a mother who was an entrepreneur, but I have to give a lot of credit to my daughter, Kate. She's my oldest. And we often say, well, when mom was out, who raised the kids? And we'd say, Katie did. So she's <laughs> she was already oh, uh, someone who could run the family without me. So she was, I think, eight <laughs> when I started. Wow. Well, yeah, she 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 had uh, no choice as, as the old. You know, one of the things I look back on is you start to look back. We, I've been doing this for thirty seven years, and you know, I'm proud of the, all the success we've had and the money we've made and all that other stuff. And by the way, I used to not like to talk about money, but I think capitalism is under attack. So I think it's okay if you work your you know what off to go make money. Uh, so so I'm, I'm not embarrassed about that. I'm, I'm proud of that. We've worked very hard to do it, as you have. But I think the thing I'm most proud of, and I'm also proud of the fact that we've impacted the lives of other people we've touched. But what I like when I start to think about my own team and I think about the success we have, I'm so proud of the fact that a lot of our 
people that worked with us have been able to buy the house they wanted and pay their mortgage. They've been out, they were allowed to send their kids to the right summer camp or to the right college or to have, have a little bit better life because of what we've created. That, that gives me a great joy when I kind of look out and go, wow, because this little idea we had in, for me, it was 1985. A lot of good things have happened, not only to our clients, but also to the people that worked with us. I'm so proud of that. I know you've made a lot of money. You can't go anywhere in, in, a, in a major town in, in Bergen County without seeing your name all over the place on buildings everywhere. I know that doesn't, isn't what drives you. What, what, what makes you, when you look back on your career to date, because I know we have many chapters left, what makes you so proud? Makes me proud. Well, I, I look back on what the company has become, and I, I, I just am amazed that there are this many people who trust us with their careers. That probably makes me the most proud as far as the company. The fact that I have three of my children working for me, Mark, is um, or with me, I should say, extremely proud. I have some wonderful people in leadership positions in the company that are amazing. Sarah Drennan, Susan Brown, I could go up and down, my finance uh, manager, Meg. And we have a wonderful team of young people doing our IT and social media. I'm very proud that, that I can provide an opportunity for them. One day, this was a few years ago, and this may sound a bit trite, but I walked around my corporate office and I said to my son, Matt, you know, I own all these chairs and tables and screens and <laughs> rugs, and, and I own them in nine different locations. I said, how did that happen? <laughs> it was sort of the physical awareness that, oh, my God, what do you do with all this stuff if you try to wind it down, which wasn't the reason I made the comment, but it was like, where did all this come from? But along with the stuff came these wonderful people. And um, we've had people who work for us on our payroll, our W-2 people, we've got about 40 or 45, I think now, who have been with me, many of them, for years and years. And some, of course, are younger tech people, not so long. But the idea that people have stayed this long, and, and some of our agents have been here. Our first agent only retired a couple of years ago uh, when she went to Florida. She was with me for 30 years. You know, so uh, I feel like, you know, we created an environment, a culture, family, both to work together as real family and then to be part of the extended family of the company that I'm very proud of that. You know, the, the other thing I like, I, I am so joyous and so grateful for this journey that I've been on at our company. You've done a but great I, job. But I, but I kind of but I kind of think back, I go, if I knew it was going to be this hard, I never would have done it. What, what do you think about How do you, What do you think about oh. that? I actually have said that myself. I mean, I met you years ago. When, I don't remember how many years ago. 30 years ago? 30, yeah. 30 we years on, ago. Jim Napolitano brought you into the board of the American Lung Association. We were on the board together. Yeah. Exactly. And so I've known you a long time as well, and, and much more so maybe the last 20 years or 25 years. But um, I've asked myself sometimes if I knew I was going to get to this point. And also, as the company got bigger and it's more to manage and there's more, you know, I always said that, that, you know, when you can build this big thing, but when that snowball starts rolling back on you, it rolls backwards a lot faster than it goes. Then you could push it uphill. You know, would I have done it again? I don't know. Perhaps not. I'm not sure. But I would have done something if it wasn't real estate. I, I think there was just, I don't know if other entrepreneurs feel this way. There was just something inside me that said, I have to do my own thing. I, it could have been a number of different things that I didn't think of. As I think I've shared with you, Tom was the one that said, you need to go back to work. We need the money um, and you should get a real estate license. And I looked at him and said, what? Are you crazy? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not getting a real estate license. And finally, he convinced me. 
And the first day I was in real estate school where I put on pantyhose and got dressed up and wasn't with just little kids in sneakers and jeans, I went, oh, there is a world of grownups out there. This is very exciting and stimulating. And so I was like, from going forward from that without ever having made a plan to go into real estate, I just found it fit like a glove. I grew up in a military family. We moved every year or two years from you know, Hawaii to Panama to Europe to the north, south, and west coasts of, of the U.S., lived all over. So it was kind of a natural to understand and have empathy for families who are relocating, children coming in at high school age or middle school age who are leaving their friends behind in Chicago to move to New Jersey or, you know, the, the trailing spouse, male or female today, who is giving up their job in another city to come with the other spouse that has gotten a promotion and having to start over. So when families relocate and move entire, you know, groups of their kids and schools, it's a big deal. And it can be very heartbreaking and difficult for them. Um, eventually they get settled, most of them. But the point is, we have to be on that journey with them when they're coming in and trying to show them that they can actually have a good life here in New Jersey. And it's expensive here. The housing is expensive, but our schools are great. And, you know, working on that with them is it's very rewarding to see them kind of settle in and take that giant leap. And we saw over the last few years, more and more corporate transferees choosing not to come to move because of that very issue, um, you know, that they're taking lateral positions just to be able to keep their kids in school systems. So for those that take the challenges to relocate, and it's, it's nice to be able to share that journey with them. You know, I, I first of all, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy, busy data to, to be here. But I was, you know, I always say, I, you know, I, I don't think you're, you're, you're nice, Terry. I think you're truly kind. And I think that, uh, you know, I always, I always think of myself, I haven't gone to school in the Midwest. I always think of myself as a New Yorker with Midwestern sensibilities. And uh, I hope that you and I are two people that have proved that uh, nice guys don't finish last, they finish first. And, uh, and that's why I'm, I'm just so, uh, so proud to have our friendship for so many years and uh, be around the, the the kind of person that you are and, and the kind of people your family is. And, I just thank you for taking this time to share this hour with us today. It's my pleasure. I'm honored that you wanted to meet to meet me on this format. I mean, gosh, thank you. I'm I'm totally honored. It was a pleasure and a privilege. And I I just think you're wonderful. And we've been good friends for a long time, and hope to be good friends for many, many, many more years. So thank you for including me, Harry. Thank you so much. Alrighty, take Have care. Have a great Mark. day. Bye bye. You bye bye. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Hero of the Hour podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share the podcast episode with them. You can catch the show notes for this episode and more at www.markbmurphy.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to check out the other great books and resources on the website while you're there. Once again, it's www.markbmurphy.com forward slash podcast. All links can be found in the description below. We look forward to serving you on the next episode. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS or Guardian and opinions stated are their own. Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. OSJ, 200 Broad Hollow Road, Suite 405, Melville, New York, 11747, 631-589-5400. 
Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Northeast Private Client Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0B36048. Arkansas Insurance License Number 741545. Expiration and submission numbers located in the show notes.